Have you ever seen something in a theater that you just couldn't explain? Or have you ever thought about if dying really ain't that bad? And do you spend sleepless nights wondering exactly what happened to Natalie Wood that night on the boat? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then it's time for you to exit stage death. Exit Stage Death is the chilling true stories behind your favorite Broadway shows, releasing bi-weekly on Tuesday starting May 24th. So if you want to find out which Broadway house is the most haunted, talk about what killed our favorite Broadway flops, and learn about the murderous path of Mama Rose that took Gypsy Rose Lee to stardom, it's time for Places Actors. Thank, Thank you, you places. places. It's time to exit stage death. Welcome back, Serial Killers, for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. I... I'm talking about one of my favorite things today. I mean, I always say that. Everything's one of my favorite things. That's the point of a podcast is so I can only talk about my favorite things. But one of my favorite people is here today. You've met him before. He's been on the pod back at the beginning, but he's here again. Folks, I have Dana Martinez, a.k.a. DJ Summers. Welcome back. Thank you. Well, it's, it's funny because now I'm more Danny than DJ these Perfect. days. But, but I appreciate the introduction of DJ. Of course, of course, you know, it's branding and cross-marketing and things. So for anyone that missed your first interview with us, which I can't believe they did, they need to pause right now and go back, listen to that and jump in. Tell everyone who you are, what you do, and why today's uh, show is so important to you. So the last time I was here, we talked about Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we're, you have like a Patreon that uh, you post the video but I'm in like my merch of the Mighty Morphin Power Bottom t-shirt. Um, so I have my ass on my t-shirt today. But today, um, talking about Digimon, I have six Digimon tattoos. So I'm like, I'm slightly an enthusiast. There's not really any Digimon behind me other than my Gatomon plushie. Uh-huh. Um, but I have both wrist tattooed with the crest of light and hope and then on my calves there's sincerity and love and then have angel woman and angel woman a man on my 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 quad so for me like power rangers and digimon being a 90s kid go hand in hand Mm -hmm. and back then like first podcast i was the mighty morphin power bottom and now being danny it's funny how like cheesy I try to like live my life by all the crests I have tattooed on me rather than all the Power Ranger gimmick that everyone's used to me being a part of Mm -hmm. I love that I mean I also uh, growing up I was the kind of kid that like Power Rangers was the perfect thing for me to get into and then Pokemon happened and like Pokemon was cool because everybody said it was cool and even though I didn't play the games I like it but then when Digimon hit at first, everybody was like, oh, it's just a copy. But like watching it, you're like, no, this is so different. And it's, you know, because we didn't really have a nuanced conversation of genre at the point in the late 90s, especially as kids. And so it's one of those things like, yes, it is part of that like monster catcher genre. Like it is that monster partner genre. But it's just so much bigger than that. And uh, I love that you have my two favorite crests on you, which is I absolutely love. Uh, growing up, uh TK, I just connected with so much. And so uh, Crest of uh, his Crest of Hope, I always loved. But as an adult, I really connect with Mimi in so much. And so that that uh, I've just become a big Mimi Palmon stand, like the older I've gotten. And so I love that the Crest of Sincerity is just so important. And, you know, it's 
for me, I think also it was, they did that great thing that a lot of the eighties cartoons, which was like the theme of the week, they're always trying to teach you something and whatnot, but it's this idea of that. What makes us unusual is what makes us strong and powerful and things. And that was just a really cool thing for me. Uh, I guess that too, it just kind of the two, again, it all felt very interconnected there for me. Well, And see, for me, that's why I love Power Rangers so much. And Yes, I grew up on Pokemon as well. Mm -hmm. And I remember those conversations of, well, Digimon is just a copy because they have Mon mm -hmm. being a part of it. Mm -hmm. And, but again, like what Pokemon had mostly was just like, you had a pet. Mm -hmm. And especially being a fan of Power Rangers and being, getting older and seeing the themes that Digimon has had, it's more of exploring different sides mm -hmm. of you. And I think Digimon did really well at that because, and TK has always been my favorite. Um, my older brother and I are four years apart. So we, by default, were Matt TK and Matt. TK. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I related to him for that. And then now being an adult and having all of these, like, anniversaries happen so often, it's amazing to me where, like, a lot of those things I have appreciated more as an adult, where I'm like, Yes, it's sad to like let go of your childhood, but like now everyone's it's sadly with all these Digimon like remakes that I do enjoy as a whole, mm -hmm. but it's all kind of the same thing of you have to let go of your younger years and like mm -hmm. move on and really accept who you are as an adult. And Digimon has always advocated, at least mm -hmm. that's what I've gotten from mm -hmm. it. Where like even the last reboot where Matt and uh, Ty lost. Uh, God, uh, what are the Gabumon Sorry. and Agumon. Yeah, thank you. Because I was like, I ain't <laughs> my key. So those guys, it was like they weren't disappearing because they got older. They're like, you don't need us anymore. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as we grow into adulthood, especially, it's I find comfort in familiarity. Mm -hmm. But after being on my own for so long, I'm like. Yes, I miss having someone to like, not codependent, but like reflect mm -hmm. off of. Mm -hmm. I also know that that's not needed anymore. Um, yeah. And it, it's great to feel like I can stand on my own rather than rely on uh, a specific person through my adult life now. Yeah, it's that that to me also appealed about the show because uh, about the same time I discovered the Philip Pullman trilogy of books, His Dark Materials, so Golden Compass, Sun Life, Number Spyglass. And in that universe, your soul is outside of your body as another creature that's tied to you. And so there was just something so like intriguing to me, but also as a kid who had the wild imagination that could play on his own for hours, that was so appealing to me to have that like one other part of you that was just so strong and so important and they were your partner through and through and so that was to me really something about Digimon that appealed uh was you know there was one they all got well you know later we got we got Wallace in the movie who had happened to have the twins but um you know that's and that's been that kind of theme going through I think until Cross Wars 
uh, that, you know, everybody's got their one Digimon and Digimon can die. That's the big one that fucked with me. We saw it in the first season with just Leomon. And we're talking about the first season today. I think just to clarify for everybody, we're talking, probably talk a little second season too, just because they're combined. But it wasn't until like season three when when poor Jerry lost Leomon and then becomes the big the big bad at the end. And it's just like, oh God, this is so much darker. Oh God. Um and you know, it's I think we we did a Pokemon uh series last year for their anniversary. And so, you know, it's one of those things I always will attest that like the Pokemon games are fun. I still play them, but they are very just they're that they're fun, they're kind of simple, but I love lots of the monsters. But like Digimon was the great TV series because they really leaned into, especially as the show went on, like developing those themes of of using your connection with your Digimon partner to quantify you as an adult and like teach you how to be kind of a grown person and we saw those people who had their Tijimon taken away from them were just not as adjusted or were trying to claw back to that moment of nostalgia so it is really interesting to talk about like nostalgia through that idea of like learning how to be your own person uh as you know adults on on a nostalgia podcast (laughs) um but I know for me uh, also, the like Pokemon, the, the design is always cool and they're cute, but the Digimon designs are incredible. Like they are, like they're either the dumbest thing ever, like you've got the like pile of slime poop or the, the like sentient trash can with the bazooka, or you've got just like these decadent, beautiful, holy, angelic Digimon. And it's just this kind of such rich world, which appealed to me so much. Um, but we're we're gonna take you back for a moment. Take you back. What 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 was your kind of first memory of of Digimon when the very first time you saw it? Well, like it, for me, it was again my older brother and I mm-hmm. having because at that time there wasn't any siblings on TV. Yeah. Like in cartoon based mm-hmm. is the only like other reflection I could say was like uh the super friends with the wonder twins mm-hmm. but otherwise for me growing up it was you were a team of friends and this was the first time i saw a representation of at least who i was back then where i was like mm-hmm. me and my older brother are close and here you have this siblings who are very similar where like my mom was a single parent so my older brother did take care of me and we did have a similar relationship where I was the baby for a while and all I wanted was his acceptance and to be his friend and have us really relate because we were in so close in age. So for that, and then like, like everybody, there was Mimi, I always, especially as an adult, I relate to her so often because I'm like, the moment I have a minor inconvenience, I lose it. Where I'm just like, how dare you? Um, But I always, and I've always said, I think Angelmon, for a lot of us, (laughs) opened a queer feeling (laughs) because it was a weird dynamic of like this very humanoid creature taking care of a little boy (laughs) while everyone else looked like monsters. (laughs) But I loved Mimi's design and Palmon's evolution has always been just gorgeous to me because my mom was huge in flowers too. So like Mm -hmm. there was so much things that related to me from that first season, especially where it's just like, oh, my mom loves roses and we have, uh, well, now she's Rosemon, but like Lilymon, 
-hmm. where like it's I, I think that's why like and again what always appealed to me more so than Pokemon was they got to talk to their creature uh -huh. and they would mm -hmm. form sentences with you and mm -hmm. that to me was always just really cool because yeah I had my older brother who I could talk to but then I also would talk to my stuffed animal and mm -hmm. of course it would talk back but of course of course <laughs> right? absolutely yeah Oh my God. Yeah. No, I think the, when I found out a few, you know, as, as the kind of internet became larger that, that, you know, Digimon, even though it kind of takes place on the internet was just before most kids had internet in their home. Yeah. And so, you know, which is also kind of that idea of like this new technical age and these, these things, like, that's really exciting. And it's like, oh, you spend enough time on the internet. Oh, a, a, a magical animal will come out, which is also why I think a lot of kids like felt drawn to Neopets and things. Um, but when I found out later through the card game that all of the Digidestined beyond Matt and Ty, all their Digimon actually had a mega evolution that we never saw on the show. And when I saw Rosemon, and I was probably about 14 years old, and I was like, I don't know what she is, but I want to be her when I grow up, <laughs> which then makes sense that I became a drag queen later, because she's just like, incredible and amazing. And, uh, you know, it was funny, because we actually got Rosemon early on season five. Uh, their, their female lead had a plant Pokemon, which was super cute. There was different than Palmon, but their final evolution was Rosemon. And it was just like, oh shit, she's so cool. And then thankfully in the new reboot of Adventure, which I love that they did a lot of different things they didn't copy. They all got their mega evolutions finally, which I thought was very important because the other kids, especially like Sora, like Matt and Ty, and I get it because at the time we all wanted to be those those guys. Like you wanted to be those guys. You didn't want to be an Izzy. You didn't want to be a Joe. You wanted to be a Matt or Ty. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there going, I kind of want to be Mimi, but it's fine. Um, or I want to be TK and have this giant muscly angel man take care of you. <laughs> um, but you know, it was it was just there, it was kind of coded that Matt and TK or Matt and Ty were the strongest because they got Omnimon they got the mega evolutions. Well, I mean, technically Kari got her mega evolution at the end of the series, but that's, that's not here or there. Um, but yeah, like the other kids didn't. And again, as I've gotten older, the other kids are the ones that I see way more of myself in than I ever did in Ty and Matt, even though give me the cute blonde loader boy any day, uh, you know, <laughs> it happens, it happens. Um, but yeah, those things are just so, so important. And yeah, I just, this show just, I, I love anytime you get to revisit the show and it was a reason. I didn't rewatch the whole thing, but I did watch through some clips of like the big arcs and just kind of retrospectives because they did another really good job. I think on the show is every time we beat a villain, we got the stronger villain, but it wasn't just rehashing the same stories before. There was another set of growth. And also, I think every queer person also has to connect with Mimi. I think it's in the, the last arc. It's the Dark Masters arc where Mimi's like, I just want to be a princess to the Vegemon. That's all I want to be. Just <laughs> let me be a princess. <laughs> the Princess Mimi episode. Um, but there was just... I, th I, th I think it's also just the, I love anything with an expansive world building and the other Digimon that were not the partner Digimon were just as important to the yeah. story and had their own, had their own stories. Like 
I, I'm, I don't think I've ever been as connected to a cartoon that I can really think back to as like in the first season where we lose Leoman, which is just like, he's such a cool character. Uh, and then you like lose Alekmon later on. And it's one of those things. It's just like, what? We can't take these wonderful like male characters who also in their own way were very subversive of the time. Like Alekmon being this like hard New York male who was in charge of the nursery of baby Digimon. Like all of these things and like, those those moments of they were subtly subversive in a way that like I guess we can look at now or I'm projecting the subversiveness to it but it's still any time that we were seeing something because this first season of Digimon was very westernized in many ways from and and took a lot of the like Japanese context out and things from the show which was very common of the time it happened a lot um but there were just some of those kind of subtle things which were very subversive and showing, you know, a female strength with Sora and and that it's okay to talk through your emotions and be connected as men and as women as everyone in between were just very kind of important. Again, you know, hindsight is so 2020 when we're looking back, but this is one that even though people are like, oh, it's not great. I was like, honestly, if you're really comparing anime from the late 90s, even with the dub and stuff, this is still good. Like it's, it holds up. No, very that. And like, I a hundred percent agree. And like why I relate it, why I've always enjoyed Power Rangers is Pokemon and not to bash Pokemon. Cause that's like, I feel like this podcast is coming real quick. Um, Pokemon had the typical uh, male cis man mm-hmm. be the lead and take over at least with Digimon and Power Rangers. They always had a episode to show the rest of the team and show mm-hmm. that if you are a woman, you can still take charge, especially with Sora. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Ty and Matt were great, but I think Sora really led the team because mm-hmm. what you had from my, and I never have been a, a fan of the person who's always shoved in your face in mm-hmm. any kind of series. Mm-hmm. Matt and Ty would constantly get the limelight but all they would really do was fight with one another. Mm-hmm. So what I took from it was these two quote unquote alpha males trying to just one up one another mm-hmm. and constantly butting heads. And so I would just be like, listen, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to have your beef outside of here because we got shit to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, especially now as an adult, granted, Back in the 90s, you didn't have female empowerment in that way just yet. Like, even with Wonder Woman, she was great, but it it was very rare you would see a woman on a team really stepping up and taking charge. And they did everything they could. And, like, watching it, even, like, all these reboots, just you clearly see Sora is the one that is leading everything while everyone else is falling apart. Mm -hmm. So... And I think that's why it has stuck with me so much where I'm like, I'm not, and again, I was never a fan of Matt and uh, Ty just because everyone else wanted to be them. Mm -hmm. But Sora really was just like, I'm here. Like she had the crest of love for a reason where Mm -hmm. no matter what the situation, she would at least try to do what was best for everyone Mm -hmm. and not try to dictate like Matt and Ty, I felt like. So no, I... Mm -hmm. Everything you said, completely agree. And like, yeah, like it, it's it's funny. And maybe we are just projecting where it's, 
uh, so many different stereotypes mm -hmm. that we were used to at that time, Digimon didn't think about it. Where mm -hmm. you had Leomon be in charge of the nerf or uh that oh, Leomon because he like he was also he was the protector. Yeah, he was there like the like protector of the yeah. But like to have him be in a nursery with all these flamboyant colors mm -hmm. and you have like this masculinity to him where I'm like it, it, it it's yeah. Mm -hmm. There's so much just like as I rehash it, I'm like, yeah, like it makes a lot more sense being an adult. But even then, like I never thought twice of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anything. Well, and it's even there's a soft feminineness to Anjaman's design, even though he has the big muscles and things very sleek. He has the beautiful long hair. There is that. I mean, growing up like evangelical myself, like he looks like what you would expect an angel to look like. He is the six wings. Like he's just, he's beautiful. And I love that his eyes are covered with the, the big helmet and things, but it is still, there is a litheness and a, a, a quickness to him that is traditionally not masculine, even though there is such a large get a musculature to him. It's just in design there, you know, and a lot of that is also just, there's a different sensibility when it comes to Japanese design and Japanese characters and things, but um yeah, it's, it's just so interesting to kind of take that through and kind of how we work through those things with, with everything. And uh, that is the thing that I think they kind of got right with Sora when they did the Digimon Tri movies. So it's, you know, it's them in their early 20s. So it is a huge, it is 15 years later. It's, it's a big difference. Um, and when she's not around, when she's just deciding to disconnect from the group, they literally still all fall apart. And it's just like, have you all learned nothing in 10 years? What right. have you all learned nothing? Um, be, you know, because of that. Though I will say they did one thing in Digimon Try that again, maybe it's just as an adult queer person that I appreciated when, you know, and again, it's later. So Matt and Ty do not have the tumultuous relationship and it's, they're very supportive of each other, which again, I think leads back to them leaning into the Japanese scripts instead of rewriting the scripts to work with just using the base animation they had. When they have to, when they literally like hold each other's hand and that is the moment Omnimon shows up and it's like, it doesn't have to be like a romantic thing, but it is just that like support for each other. Though sometimes I like to go, they don't need Sora, it's fine. They fought for years because they love each other. Mm, it's <laughs> fine. Uh, again, just projecting. <laughs> and I'm always just like, Sora, there's lots of, people in the world uh you don't need those boys <laughs> <laughs> is there anything as you look back you know especially queer people i feel like we take in more media than anyone else and just like the word and we are very introspective about the things that informed where we were as kids but still love them as adults and like a lot of queer references and things are all media because that's all we had for a long time uh Looking back, is there anything that you wished had been done a little different or you think they could have done a little different other than just like the Matt Ty focus um, as an adult looking back? Well, I think like everything other than the Matt and Ty, like everything went really well. I didn't ever watch after the, the second season because mm -hmm. I did can't speak for there, but the first two seasons, I feel like they did really well at exploring new characters mm -hmm. while leaving. And maybe that's why I didn't like the third season as much, was the first season 
would focus on everybody. And even when the first season got renewed for a second season, there was something more to learn from each character. Mm -hmm. And then when Avenger 2 came out, you at least had TK and uh, Kari Mm -hmm. still be a part of the series, but you introduced a new brand Mm -hmm. who were completely different than the first series. Mm-hmm. And then they would sprinkle, I like, I, I, they weren't cameos like back then, but it was so cool to see like mm-hmm. someone you could relate to come back for the series for an episode. Mm-hmm. And I think they were way ahead of their time in that regard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where now, anytime you watch like a Marvel movie, you want to know who's going to make a cameo. And mm-hmm. back in the 90s, you had Digimon, who's just like, here's TK in, in high school. And yeah. Avimon still loves him. Like it was yeah. so smart of how they did those first two seasons mm-hmm. that I think, I mean, the only thing, there are a couple times where America being America, they really had to censor stuff for no reason. Yeah. Um, and hearing the anime dubs where I'm like, see, you guys could have gotten away with this. Like, mm-hmm. and like, especially. No, Digimon was never religious, mm-hmm. but for them not to like acknowledge that angel, especially with the names like Angelmon and Angel Woman, mm-hmm. you know they're angels, mm-hmm. but you guys were like try to water them down as if mm-hmm. they weren't, which was like mm-hmm. a weird thing to me. Yeah. Well, and it's also like acknowledging because it could have actually been a really wonderful teaching moment because in that second season, we had the four gods that we met. And so it's one of those things. And I mean, our first villain is Digimon, uh, Devimon. And then we got Lady Devimon later on in the series. It's one of those things. It's just like lean into this thing and use it as this idea of cultural education for kids. But this was still that time where like the moral majority, the religious oh wait the religious right oh no they you know still on their bullshit but you know it's one of those things they were controlling some or trying to like control so much and so i guess they were just kind of like i don't know i don't know what they were trying to do but i agree like leaning into that and kind of using it as an educational point for the things that were happening in the series and kind of the focus on technology and that like america was super behind the technology and those kinds of things you know but uh, again also from also being the 90s they're never going to present america in a bad light or or in a we're not better than everybody else light i agree with you digimon i loved digimon one but then when adventure two came out and we got the upgrade to the digivices. We got the digi eggs. We got DNA digivolution. Like we like all of these things. We got the evil digi destined kid, which I mean is an age old trope. Uh, every time Power Rangers has a new season, everybody's like, "So help me God, if there's evil Rangers." Like, <laughs> like uh, in the last couple, uh, like the month, last month or so, they're talking about how it looks like Hasbro is adapting the Zodiac season as the next Power Ranger season for the U.S. We've been waiting for it for a while. There are 14 fucking rangers in that series and i was just like watch half the team's gonna be evil and someone was like don't say it because it's gonna happen and i was like listen you know they already talked about it in the netflix uh, in the netflix offices they've already talked about it it's already been thrown out there but you know having ken in that that spot to then have him evolve to that point of being part of the team and be part of and be a pairing with the gogglehead kid which uh you know for better or worse and he is like always the leader but i do always kind of love the consistency that there's always the goggle boy like it's like they've made it a joke it's gone so far at this point um because i believe even in 
Digimon, what do we call it? Uh, Data Squad, which is Digimon Savers in Japan, which is like a police military based season, which is actually very, very good if ever anyone wants to watch it. Um, they make a joke about Marcus, the lead voiced by uh, Crispin. Oh God, I forget his last name. But they were like, what? No goggles? And he was like, what? It's something about goggles and like, because his Agumon is his partner as well, but it's a different Agumon. And so it's just funny kind of for everybody that is like, ha ha ha, he doesn't have goggles, but you know, because, you know, they kind of lean into that. But the, I know I love season three on its own because it's just its own thing. But season two, really, you can tell, Toei and Bandai or Saban in Japan really kind of looked at what worked with one, looked at where they could go with it and really kind of capture and go on. Because really just from the top, it's like, great, the original Digidestin occasionally pop back in. But what happens when there's now this thing that stops their, uh, their Digimon from being able to Digivolve to champion because of these things? And you're like, wait, we can't Digivolve? How are we gonna have a show? And then they're like, oh wait, look at these MacGuffins, here you go. Boop, boop, boop. Uh, and I love the love the digi eggs. Those are incredible. So good. Mm, chef's kiss, just so good. But even when we got to, I believe it's the last arc of that series, and they're doing the Digimon World Tour essentially at that point. And we're seeing all of those kids from around the world. Because we met Michael early on, which is Mimi's gay friend from America. I'm just gonna say he's she, she's Mimi's gay friend. No one would have a blonde perm and not be gay when they're 14. Um but yeah, I mean, we meet Michael's, uh, Michael, uh, Mimi's friend from America early on. But then when they get to kind of have to travel the world as partners and like pairings and find all the rest of these DigiDestin was so mind blowing to like 14 year old me, 15 year old me at the time of just this kind of a massive story of all, all of these kids got their Digimon back when Ty and all of their kids got the Digimon and we only knew one of their stories. And I just thought anytime that you broaden in a way that's so embracing of other cultures and other kids from around the world, um, that it was just really smart storytelling. Also, it opened up to just a ton more product they could sell. Um, but like, it was so, so flipping cool. And it was just something that I thought, again, set them so differently because the scale, that was the same scale Pokemon always seemed to be operating on, but we just expected it. Where with Digimon, it seems, especially because then you go, that's when you get all the kids to go, oh my God, I could be a Digidestin. Because everybody wants to be a Digidestin. But in that moment, you're like, oh, everyone could be. Um, and that was just really, I think, special and smart on their part as well. Uh, this is also just a shout out for anybody. If you have your Digimon toys still, uh, buff them out, put them on a shelf, or sell them because they are worth so much goddamn money. Like those original Digivices go for at least a hundred bucks, even if they're beat up and don't work. Like they just go for so much money. I I was so lucky that um, before a friend of mine passed, that he was like, "Oh, I found these two Digivices at home. I really like Tamers." But he's like, "I know you love the series. Would you like this one?" And it was a D two. It was the it was Cody's. Gotcha. Uh, and I was like, "I don't love the yellow and white," but I was like, "I love the D two because because of course I had Kens just haphazardly when I was a kid in, in Davis's and got rid of them, and now I wish I had not." Um, but we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Before the Wicked Witch of the West and those gals from Salem, there was Circe, the captivating and kind of catastrophic Greek witch who did more than just turn men into pigs. 
I'm Rose. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Gloria. Join us this fall on Circling Circe, the podcast where we talk about Madeline Miller's incredible book, Circe. We go through the novel chapter by chapter. We laugh, we cry from laughing. We swoon over Daedalus and other Greek hotties and talk way too much about food, life, and scented candles. I'm hydrated. I'm ready. I'm pumped to talk about Greek gods and titans. (laughs) Let's do this. Lasagna is not supposed to be cool. It's supposed to be eaten hot, stupid. Who just looked at the count and was like, hey, sexy, moo right over here. It's (laughs) 11.45. I need to go eat my liver. My Prometheus pate. (laughs) And Granny's like, get out. We post every Wednesday, so mark your calendars. Make like Scylla. Grab a sailor. And dive in. Find Circling Circe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, do you want to do an outro? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Is that your outro? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Welcome back, everyone. I am talking with Danny Martinez about our mutual love for Digimon. Welcome back to all the Digidustins. So have you ever thought about what Digimon you would want to have as your Digimon partner? I think as a fan of Digimon, you have to. I have, it's always been in between uh, Gatomon and Palmon, Patamon. Just because they're adorable. Mm-hmm. Like, I love cats just by default. And I love mm-hmm. Gatoman. And plus, I mean, who wouldn't want to have a gorgeous creature as, like, the Mega? Mm-hmm. But I do, like, enjoy birds. So Sora is always like, I, just, I would love a little bird that could talk. So it's, if I had to go just by how I like to live, it would probably just be uh, Patamon. Just because, like, I try to be hopeful in, like, every regard. And mm-hmm. the whole boom bubble, the way he says it is so cute. Where I'm like, oh, I, bubble, pa! It was, oh. it's, it's so pure. It's so pure. <laughs> right? Where I'm like, I just, you're so adorable that I, I, I would love to have him. Because oh, also, he's just like a big loaf of bread with two giant, <laughs> just giant wings. Like, he's so, oh, we have a... Um, <laughs> We have like a K-pop anime store in town that's huge. And last August around my birthday was not having a good idea, a good day. I walked in and they had like a real two size Patamon that just is like laying down plush. And I was like, well, here we go. We're like, Look I have special boy. I, we're like, he just looks like a corgi. So yeah, I was like, truly, I yeah. He's, yeah, it's true. It's very true. Now, I have to say, because I was one of those kids that was like, well, there's so many more Digimon behind the seven that are with our, you know, with DigiGDS. And there was something in the third arc, we meet Wizardmon, uh, who mm-hmm. was kind of like part, like friends with Gatomon and uh, ended up sacrificing himself to help them and stop Myotismon. And so I went, oh, I just feel like, a real strong connection with him. And so I was like, oh, what's his evolution change? And so his work is Tapermon, who is this little tapier with the holy, like the holy mask on his face, but his back legs are just little ghost. He's like part ghost. He's just so cute. So I always thought that or uh, in Digimon Tamers, there's a Digimon we meet called Dobermon and whose ultimate is Cerberusmon. And he's just got the big three heads and so I was I always go a little dark with those but you know again it's every part of my life I've always gone because there's now 
a lot of the newer poke, uh, Digimon too, I go, oh, I love, like there's one um, Fanbimon who's just this cutest little bee that's so cute. Um, Cause it's also funny because they start off so cute and then they're just like giant killing machines. <laughs> um, or I mean, I always love a fun one like too. I love Palmons. And then also, cause uh, I've, I'm also a grass gay. So like, I love any grass Pokemon as well. So it's one of those, <laughs> any of that's like the grass, the flowers. Cause in uh, Digimon uh, Savers uh, Data Squad, uh, the girl has, and her name is Lalamon and she's just a little floating like pod and she's so cute and so we get an we get uh an like she's um similar evolution to palmon because her her ultimate is called lilamon and like imagine lilimon had a 70s hippie sister with like bell bottoms and that's what lilamon was and i was like oh i love this i just and she ends up you know where togemon is a big silly cactus she her champion is a giant like imagine a dragon that's made out of a sun, like this head is a sunflower and the rest is just the like vines and the leaves. And it's just so big, fun and dopey and sweet that I just, they're so adorable and wonderful that I, I think I'd probably just end up with like a plant Digimon of some sort. <laughs> um, but it's, this show is just really special in, in a lot of what it does. And again, it's, you know, it's like the early seasons of Yu-Gi-Oh! That first season, I think, really solid poke those early seasons of pokemon are fun and solid they're just really long but you know it's like a lot of things even sailor moon and yu haku show a lot of the things of the time the original hunter x hunter they honestly really all stand up and i love revisiting some them so much as an adult kind of going back and doing things now but i don't know about you but i love seeing that digimon has had not even like a resurgence, but like everyone is like, oh, I loved that thing. It's now that we're realizing it's like, oh, we can still love things that we loved as kids, as adults. And so it's one of those things that like seeing Digimon merch out in the stores or that we still have Digimon video games that are really good that are coming out because they're actually focusing on the older player where Pokemon, again, again, we're not bashing Pokemon because I literally have my little Bulbasaur buddy right here with me. <laughs> I've got my Galarian Ponytail. Like I love, I love, love Pokemon, but it's one of those things that they're, you know, just they're part of a genre that are exists that they are, you know, they're not even a yin and a yang to each other. They're just two parts of a larger genre. Um, and it makes a lot of sense that now as an adult, I'm a kaiju fan. Like I love kaiju monster movies just because it's a thing like I love Transformers. Give me anything with a big mech and big monsters. Like it all just explains so much now. <laughs> um, oh, so is there anything for you that stands out as you rewatched or just kind of revisited that you thought just was really special or just really fun moments that you loved looking back now as an adult that you think just actually hold up really well? Well, like, it's funny where you say you love like these big dorky uh, Digimon. I think they're like, especially with Gatomon and Pal uh, Patamon, mm -hmm. what I have, and same with Palmon, is they go and it's how... I feel like my life has just been a journey where mm -hmm. I was like this cute little nobody or like, I wouldn't even say I was frumpy, but like to see who I was even 10 years ago, where mm -hmm. I was like, I thought I was great. Like Padamon, where I'm like, I'm adorable and it's fine to 
have a digi evolution of well, I'm now an adult and I hold myself a different kind of way. And I'm a gorgeous Angelmon. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a, it's for me, those Digimon hold such a special place. Cause I'm like, I I looking back, I'm like, that that is me. I was adorable, I was cute. But while thinking I was like this aggressive fighter. Mm-hmm. And now being an adult, I'm like, I'm not an aggressive fighter, but I'm damn sexy and it, it's great, you know. Um, but a lot of the story arcs, like I don't watching Angelmon die never registered with me mm-hmm. as a kid. I was like, oh, he became an egg. Okay. Like he's not dead. Mm-hmm. Like he there's no reborning, but like rewatching, I'm like, oh, he did die. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rizamon did die. Like this mm-hmm. is way darker than mm-hmm. I had ever realized as a child or like them trying to take on one of the greater evils and they're like, we're going here and we may die. Um, mm-hmm. Like not ever realizing where I'm like, these themes back then were so, they weren't dark at the time, but like Pokemon, Pokemon never painted mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. They would just get knocked down. And like mm-hmm. here you had a show that would kill someone off. Mm-hmm. And that has always, like now again, revisiting when like, how, you know, yeah. well granted if, you get knocked down or like you feel like you died there's an, a chance to be reborn and mm-hmm. really become something greater than what you had been and like again just how i've mm-hmm. lived my life i've 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 had moments of defeat and now especially since leaving wrestling it's me not knowing my footing anymore mm-hmm. and i'm like well this is not a defeat there's a mm-hmm. way to have a digivolution and mm-hmm. just become a new version of myself. And like Digimon, they're constantly changing. And it's not, for the most part, they never change for the bad, but it's, it's the same person that you were. Mm-hmm. And now you just happen to become a new person. Like, you know, and I think that is something that has just resonated with me so much as an adult now, especially just where I am in my life currently. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so funny. Every time I have someone who'll be like, wow, you've changed so much. I just imagine that it's like a tiny in-training Pokemon saying that to a big like champion or ultimate version. And it's like, yeah, you should have too. Like, you know what? It's fine to like be, you know, be where you are, but it's also like, we want to grow and we want to become a better version of ourselves, which is also something watching some of the new adventure show, the, the reboot, where they get alternate evolution lines which is something that always happened in the games. Uh, But Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that it's like, oh, you can manifest the strongest parts of yourself in different ways and the people that give you strength to become an even stronger person or or something that's more adaptable to the situation, which again, it's one of those things. It's these beautiful teaching moments that kids don't realize they're being taught, but they're these moments that when we're watching as adults, it's a really nice reminder to have that. Like, I think... Those are the moments where things like social media and having online communities is actually really good because we can learn from each other and be reminded that we're really strong and that in moments where you might feel so fucking defeated and so down and out, 
but you are so strong because you five years ago wouldn't have been able to accomplish that. And there's so much that I will still feel inspired by from a lot of these shows. Sailor Moon does this to me all the time too, where it's just like, you know, it's, it's those things that they're ultimately teaching and working with something so large because ultimately it's not a teaching moment. These are just moments about the human experience that we are all finding communicative, especially after a global pandemic, after, you know, major, we're watching our country kind of fall apart around us where we've been watching our whole lives because we're, our generation are wildly desensitive because we watched you know, from our most of the moments of our births, like Operation Desert Storm on television into, you know, the 90s, which was insane, and then into 9-11 and post 9-11. So we're so used to seeing this kind of conflict uh, uh, online that it is nice to see it in a communicative way through the show um, that I think they really embraced, especially with like going into Adventure 2 with the new kids. Um, and I am excited to see there, we're getting one more, like not reboot movie, but like one more of the Digimon Tri movies that's about just about the Zero Two kids, which I think is really cool and important. Cause that was the one thing in Digimon Tri, it's not a spoiler cause it's been out like four years now. Um, <laughs> but when the there those movies open with like all the Zero Two Digi Dustin like being thrown back in their Digivices shattering and stuff. And I was just like, what happened to my babies? What happened to them? What happened? Don't, you can't do this. Um, you know, we know they're fine. They were fine by the end of the series and they were found, but you know, it is, it is those things that remind us that we are so much larger than ourselves. And, you know, ultimately too, it's this thing every time that there's like a political movement and people are like, why are people writing? Why are people protesting? It's like, look at the media we've consumed. Like for me, I can think back, like the earliest thing is like She-Ra and moving forward. There's always a thing like the Digi Destined at all times were trying to help the Digimon of the digital world against whatever like harsh regime was trying to overpower them. Like it was just a thing they were doing that honestly, I'm shocked more people aren't always just, you know, but it's one of those things that it, this is another example of media that really informed who we are um, mm-hmm. and kind of why we should always be moving towards helping other people because it's not even like fighting the largest political fight but it's just that idea of like we need to help each other and that is our purpose as humans because we're always getting to that moment where we need help and we hope somebody is there to help us too and i i completely agree and i think just as queer people we do see the world very differently Mm -hmm. than a lot of the cis white people where even with the latest movement of the banning of abortion, if you are not a woman, you don't know the actual struggles. Mm-hmm. And it's, we're not, I can't say as men, cause I don't, no, I'm not non-binary, but like, I can't, I don't know the struggles mm-hmm. of a woman. I don't, I can't vouch for that. So instead of saying, well, why are you upset? Mm-hmm. I will try my best to tell me why, like what is going on? And a lot of why, again, don't like tie Matt because, rather than try to understand why people are getting upset and why like why should we fight for the greater good through like this is why we should like mm-hmm. i think this is what's best for us and for sora as someone who was not a i mean she's a cis woman to my knowledge i i don't know what i'm not going to assume but it was <laughs> one of those like she's advocating as a woman on the team where it's like hey what you guys are bickering about only affects you two you're not thinking about the rest of us and why 
being a queer person, I think is so important and why like these themes resonate so much more for us than you talking to some straight bro dude. Cause they're like, well, I liked it cause the flashy colors and I liked it because of this. Well, I'm like, you didn't, yes, it was great that you liked it for that. Mm-hmm. But like as a queer person, we do resonate so much. And it's funny where like, cause now my old job, I was a single person in my position. And now being on a team of people who are not used to having someone come in and say, hey, why are we doing it like this? Mm-hmm. Like, they're very quick to be, um, get argumentative. And I'm like, I'm not trying to have an argument with you. It's mm-hmm. me, help me understand the situation so we can have the best product that we're currently mm-hmm. with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for everybody else, you know, I, and again, it's me projecting, is and with Digimon is everyone wanted to be quick to like shoot them down mm-hmm. because they wanted to ask well why is someone taking over like we're not here mm-hmm. to just accept things like as mm-hmm. and again as queer people like by default I think us existing scares a lot of people mm-hmm. and the Digidefin scared a lot of people mm-hmm. because they didn't fit into the norm of what was happening then and mm-hmm. that is my takeaway from Digimon, you know, thank you for coming to my TED talk. Um, <laughs> but you know, with like it, it's funny where, and again, just being a queer person and looking at back and so much nostalgia of w- things I loved, I didn't realize why I loved it mm-hmm. as an adult. I'm like, this makes sense. This makes sense why it has resonated with me mm-hmm. for. I'm now 31, where Digimon came out in what 96, 97, 99, nine oh way off um for for like the last 21 years I'm like okay you know it's uh, again the whole digivolutions of just how I live my life and mm-hmm. everything that it, it's great to see nostalgia come back and like trying to relay relay mm-hmm. um everything for everybody but no I completely agree with everything you just said and it makes sense it makes like everything you thank you for preaching <laughs> pray, pray, girl, pray. Uh, no, it, it, it is one of those things that when we talk about, you know, where we sit in our positions of power, because almost everyone has some form of privilege. And, you know, it's even us being able to sit on this podcast and have the time and ability to talk about nostalgia and things that we loved, uh, you know, is, you know, is a privilege, but it is those moments of, you know, whether, cause you know, I, I am a non-binary human, but like I present mostly as a very effeminate m- male presenting person. It's just kind of how the world sees me, unfortunately, but like, it is still my space where, cause you'll have, you know, I don't know if you experience this where you live, but like straight men will still be like, oh yeah. And say something really problematic. And then it's, it is our, it is actually our place to sit there and go, no, no, I don't think it's like that. It's like this or why do you think it's like that? And so it is those moments of, you know, it doesn't have to be a grand moment of throwing a Molotov cocktail or kicking a police officer in the teeth, even though I want to do that most days. Um, you know, it's it's those moments of how do you use that privilege in that place for people who need it? Or like as queer people, queer men specifically, like women stood behind us through the entirety of the AIDS crisis. And like women have always been a very quiet part of the queer community or allies. And like, even to the point where like lesbians have been pushed out of like, 
queer spaces in so many places. Yeah. Like, I think I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I think I was listening to a podcast the other day. There are like 15 lesbian centric bars left in the entire United States. Wow. 15. Because like at the beginning of the pandemic, there was only like 50 or 60 in the entire country where, you know, in New York City alone or Chicago, LA, you've got, you know, you've probably got 20 gay bars within a four mile radius of each other, depending on what neighborhood you live in. So it's one of those things that, you know, you don't need to stand up and do the most extreme thing, but it is one of those things that you can stand by and watch something happen, or you could stand up and do something. And it's really our place to stand up and do something, which is something that I do believe the show kind of taught all along the way. Now, if someone maybe remembers the show or they have very fond memories of maybe the first season, the first, second season, what would you say to anybody who's thinking of needing that show to go back to and visit? Why would Digimon be that show to go back and visit? I, what I have always, same with Power Rangers, is these, for me, were the first introductions of just representation of everybody. And I think a lot of other media didn't have that back then. To my knowledge, again, being a 90s kid, all I saw was like Saturday morning cartoons and why X-Men does stand out so much to Ooh, me yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. It's, you have all of these different people who typically everywhere else would never get along, but here's this theme of, hey, we're five different people or six different people, or I think the X-Men had seven, of we're here because we're all different and we're all here just trying to fight what we have as a specific theme. And like, again, being a queer person, mm -hmm. I don't know the struggles of a, like, I am a very masculine presenting male now, um, but in my early twenties, I was very feminine and I'm a person of color. So trying to relate to someone completely different was very hard because we didn't have a mutual goal um mm -hmm. and like being a 90s kid at least I had something to like being a nerd like we have one passion so mm -hmm. if you're going to go back and take away it's there's at least someone there that I feel like was seen and as cheesy as like the core values of the show have been mm -hmm. of like have a like quality or have a sincerity quality to you it's if all you see yourself is very sincere at least there's someone like you can relate to or if you think you can't and again for me it's I've never wanted to fit in with a group that was just like me yeah. I have always said the best way to learn and to grow is to befriend somebody well yes having mutual interest is great but how do you grow if you're hanging out with a group of people that are just like you? Mm -hmm. you know, and I think a lot of like Power Rangers and Digimon and the X-Men is everyone was so different and like everyone would grow because everyone was so different. I love that. Yeah, I could not put that better. And also I think we've tapped into what the like of a very specific like six year age graph of people of of the queer trifecta of being Power Rangers, Digimon and X-Men. I, I feel like there would be something there. I'm sure we could do a study uh, that would figure it out. But Dini, thank you so much for being on the show with me. I appreciate it.
Oh, it's great to see you or well, like be on here again. It's been yeah. a couple of years. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it's been quite a while. Uh, and so can you just tell everyone at home where they can find you online if you would like them to find you online? So I'm still DJ underscore Summers 91. I'm debating changing my Instagram handle again. Or you can go onto uh, Facebook at Danny Martinez and find me that way as well. Perfect. Well, thank you again for being on the show. Of course. Thank you. Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark? Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't Screen Beans until they listen to the show. Fine. Potential Screen Beans. You like movies and TV shows, right? I mean, who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives. That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed chefs, writers, costumers, musicians, yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers, folks in the film and TV industry, and more. We'd be delighted for you to join us every other Monday on the Certain POV Podcast Network. Or wherever you get your podcasts, fresh and tasty off the presses. What? what? That's, no, that's not... Can I call them Screen Beans now? Fine. Screen Beans! So tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere. Because you're a whole Screen Beans now. Saturday Morning Confidential is brought to you by Dreamer Productions and is a proud member of the Certain POV Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential, on Instagram at SMC Pod, and on Twitter at The SMC Podcast. You can find all the shows that Certain POV has to offer at CertainPOV.com or also on Patreon at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of only $2 a month keeps constant programming coming in and supporting our new shows as we go throughout 2022. Now join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.